question for everybody here tonight. Who wants to walk with Elias? Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Are we podcasting now? We're podcasting. Hey, look. I see it now. <laughs> Episode 80, off to a rip-roaring start. Episode 80 of what? Tell me where to turn. Where could you find that show if you were on a mobile device and you had an application that connected to the Twitter network? Are you doing poorly or do you have an iPhone? Let's just say <laughs> for the sake of argument that we've never even associated with the people that don't have iPhone money. Just for the sake of argument. I think you could find the show Twitter at Where to Turn Pod. You could find me at Glenn 3 underscore 11. You could find me at Point Break underscore Dave. And you could find me at Tommy 2 underscore 0. But you won't respond, at least until April. April 1st, we're back in business. Episode 80. Yes. You know, speaking of iPhone money, the pastor had his Twitter handle up on this every slide of his presentation today. Did you notice that? I did not notice that. Oh, you know what, though? You weren't in rock service, though. No, I was in, we're all actually going to get in the gates service. <laughs> Hold on. Do you think it was different? Do you think the traditional service didn't get the Twitter handle? Well, no, it was, they, they, we don't do simulcasting. We have, we went too wide today. Oh, it, like a different... Pastor preaches the traditional. Let's put service? it this way: the the pastor in uh, in Glen service, he probably spent all week studying, went to seminary. The pastor in our service, he like just, he was just born being a pastor. Like he, he woke up one day, picked up a Bible, <laughs> and he was preaching. He generally walks out, just kind of puts his hands in his pockets, and says, "Guys, we need to get get real with God." That's every week. It's the same. It's like the 92 Cowboys. You, you know what they're going to do. You just you can't stop they, it. They come up to the line and they tell you what play yeah. they're going to do. They're, they're good. Can't do anything. Can't do anything about it. Yeah. Wow. Speaking of naturally gifted, um, I am now a professional golfer. I've now made money playing the sport of golf. You've been paid to do so. I've been paid in cash. To play the sport of golf. Was, it, was this the match play? Because I didn't see you when I was drafting on DraftKings for that. I didn't see your name up there. Man, if you didn't go with Bubba and Matt, I did. I didn't. He pretty much single-handedly kept me in the money as he continued to just trounce the opposition. No, we had a tournament at the club this weekend. And get this. You're in the presence of a guy who is on the winning team. How cool is that? That's... How how bad did you sandbag your <laughs> handicaps? Oh, let me tell you. Moderately awesome. So we we broke so many rules to win this tournament. We basically defeated the entire spirit of the competition. 
So the way this works is it's a scramble, which I'm assuming you guys are familiar with. Four players to a team. Everybody hits the shot, whichever one's the best. That's you. You all hit from there. Best ball tournament. Best ball tournament. Four man best ball. The so way you get four shots every time. Correct. So you should be shooting like twenty five under, right? Well, our score was a fifty eight. If that tells you, uh, so about fourteen under. Yeah. No. Oh. But adjusted for our handicap, yeah. our score was a fifty one. Which is insane. Which is insane. But but let me tell you where this gets a little bit off the rails. It gets a little a little shady. The way that this works is they they take the four players that are playing's handicaps. So the the guy with the lowest handicap they call the A player, B, C, and D. And then they have a factor. So they say you get twenty percent. I don't remember what the exact numbers are, but basically you get like twenty percent of the A player's handicap, thirty percent of the B, forty percent of the C, and then like sixty percent of the D player's handicap. Can I interrupt real fast? You can. You were the C, weren't you? In this particular situation, yes, I was a C. Okay. This also seems like it's a very easy format to game the system. Let me tell you how we game the system. <laughs> It's advantageous for you to have a bad D player because you're getting a bigger percentage of a big number. Exactly. So we found us a really bad D player. And then never used one of his shots. Well, and you don't have to use one of their shots. It's worse than that. Our D player never showed up. He called the night before the tournament and he said, hey, I'm really sorry, but he, he's kind of loosely involved in local politics and it was something he couldn't get out of. Ken Paxton? <laughs> no, actually, I don't want to out this guy, but let's just say that he's involved in a third party that has no chance of ever actually winning an election, which so I pointed out to him when he was telling me he couldn't make it. I said, you really don't need to show up to this thing because nothing good is going to come of this. You should have told him this was his one chance to win. <laughs> like, you have a much better chance of winning playing with us. So listen what they let us do. So instead of saying, okay, you can keep his handicap, but you're now playing a three-man scramble. No, no, no. They say, hey, every time it's your shot, just rotate the fourth shot. So the one shot, I would take two shots. The next time, the B player would take two shots. So but they still factored his handicap. They still factored in his handicap. But now we got a guy who is darn near a scratch golfer. Every hole, at least one's either the drive or the approach or the putt, is getting two cracks at it. But we're getting factored in as like our D player was playing on our team. So how much money did you win? So let me tell you about that. Can I interject something real quick? Please. Give it all back. Give it all back. This is sick. <laughs> Dave's good at math. I know this because Dave scored high in the math in the SAT. So let me ask you a question, Dave. By high, do you mean perfect? Whoa. Let me ask you a question. We might have to revisit that in another episode. Wow. Say that... You won $600 total for your team. Okay. Your four-player team. But you only, but had, three. You only had three players. <laughs> you, Do you divide the winnings by four or by three? Oh, I think you each get 200. Oh, yeah. And here's where it gets... Here's where the story goes from good to great. Unless you want to donate like 150 to his campaign or something. Well, you, you want us to double the total contributions that they've ever collected? No. <laughs> I've, I've buried the lead, though. I've left the best part out of the story. The A player on our team made a hole-in-one. Uh, yeah. A wow. legitimate hole-in-one. Par three. Par three, yes. 
and he at your club. Yes, at our club. Which hole? Six it? hole. So the first, the second par three you encounter, it's a, uh, it's about a hundred and. 70 yards from the blues where we played, but we were playing from the whites, which I'll get back to in a second. Also, caveat, Glenn, he got to take like 18 shots what? at it. For was, the record, this was his first shot. Was this... We were just there. We were just there. Was this the par three where it was unexplainably and extremely wet near the green? Yes. Okay. Yes, that was it. Yeah, where the it was pretty, pretty difficult hole. Pretty difficult hole. We were playing from the white, so it was one fifty one, and it was it was a, you know, because sometimes you know you hear about people making hole in ones where they bounce it off a cart path or they hit a tree and it falls in the hole. This guy hit a beautiful shot, hit backspun in the hole, perfect. So we go nuts. We're we're high five and screaming. Everybody in the course is like, "What happened?" We don't even know the best part. We get to the clubhouse, hole in one, $1,400 to split amongst the team. Wow. And again, would we be splitting that by four or by three? It's definitely by three. So our good friend uh, makes the hole in one. We don't even know that there's a prize. And then we get back to the clubhouse and find, oh, no. Things are getting even better. Finally, something goes good for Tommy. Finally, things are working out. What was the... Entry fee for this. This was an oh, well, it was a sixty-five dollar entry fee. I was going to say eighty, but that was the last one per person. Sixty-five dollar entry fee per person. Now the hole-in-one prize is kind of like a bad beat jackpot at a casino. They rake just a few. I think they rake maybe even like a hundred dollars every tournament, and it's just it is it grows progressively. So it's been fourteen tournaments and somebody hit it. So that wow. was that was just a total. Not in the rules. That was something that the club did for their on the side, and and actually we were sitting at our table, enjoying a nice dosekes from the dosekes girls afterwards. Hey now, um, yeah, and the uh, the uh, golf course manager came by and was like, "Hey, I got good news for you guys," and he and it was actually just for the guy, and then this guy's already had about thirty dosekes. He's like, "No, no." We're splitting it amongst the whole team because we're in this together. Oh, wow. Very nice. <laughs> so this dude could have just walked out with the yeah. 1400 but no. He said we're in it together. You guys are a team. We're a team. He's going to want a favor from you. <laughs> He's going to show up here a little bloody and sweaty and be like, man, I need your help. No, this guy was great, man, and, and uh, definitely a uh, somewhat prominent local figure. Don't want to out him, but... <laughs> Rager Dines. <laughs> Yes, have you ever, Mitch have you ever heard of Bart Rager? <laughs> no, but he's just say he's a good guy to know. Good guy to know if you're interested in the local restaurant industry. Mm. He owns about 14 in the DFW area. John Cheddar's? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Bennigan's. <laughs> he owned. <laughs> Hell of a golfer, that Steve Bennigan's, let me tell you. Oh, man. But yeah, so pretty pretty nice little pretty nice little weekend since the uh, last time we were we were together we were with KJ and you guys were kicking me in the nuts for for missing a uh, putt at the end of the round. That was your own fault. If we go from that to uh, getting to stand five feet away from a guy who made a hole in one, nice. That was a good episode. I was very disappointed. I missed out on the uh, the KJ episode. As was the guest, actually. I, I kind of blindsided him with the non-Dave news until it was too late to back out. <laughs> yeah, and he was legit, like before we got everything hooked up recording, he was legit upset that you weren't there. He, and I think he wants to come back when you are going to be there. I would love that. I was 
I knew it had been talked about, and of course the the week uh, I'm out of uh, out of the city, you guys decide to bring in the real talent, and I missed out. Well, for me, it was nice to do the show with somebody that actually seemed legitimately excited to be doing the show, which I haven't <laughs> experienced since about episode two. <laughs> so just to look over and see that positive energy on the other side of the table was a treat for me. Well, can I briefly tell you something that will make you happy, Tommy? Okay, I'm already pretty happy, so this yeah, better be good. Money and you, you mentioned the bad beat jackpot, and this made me think of it. And I don't think Glenn knows this news either. Last uh, weekend, I was up at in Durant, Oklahoma, the Choctaw at the good old Choctaw with my father, who Tommy knows, by the way. Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. I've known him a long time. You have, like, almost my whole life. So great um, guy. He recently had a birthday, so I was taking him up there to play some craps, which, as you know, in Oklahoma, card craps. They, the gaming restrictions, roulette, craps, all that. They can't have wheels. They can't have dice. So we've been... They basically have no balls up there. Essentially. Yeah. Essentially. Been playing for a while. Came out pretty good on the craps table. I'll go and interject that, but... You know, we were making some two-way bets for the dealers, hit a two-way hard way for them that they were pretty happy about. The dealer goes, hey, uh, just so you guys know, they're changing the law. Three months, we will have dice. We will have real craps just an hour away from us, gentlemen. Man, that is a dangerous proposition. I know, especially since I've been watching all these YouTube videos about how to set dice. Dice influencing. Dice Glenn. influencing. It's the future. My father is in the process of building a craps table. One side of it is going to have the extra bouncy felt that you may see at some casinos. The other is going to have the very stiff so he can practice rolling on yeah. both types. Well, if you're going to be a dice influencer, you got to be able to influence all playing surfaces. Will dice influencing be bigger than Bitcoin? <laughs> See, now we had we had Tommy happy, <laughs> and then you just had to do that. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to take more than what I won in the golf tournament this weekend to dig out of that hole. So thanks a lot. Well, Bring the room down. We tried to tell you to get out right yeah. after the first of the year. We did. Well, speaking of other things that aren't going particularly well. How's your bracket? Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I actually have Villanova. I actually have three of the final four somehow. Oh. So what's not, up? Not in the pool that we're all in. No, no. In in the uh, the only pool that I'm entered that has nothing but bragging rights on the line. I'm I'm yeah. so far ahead I can't lose. Yeah, the uh, Duke loss today pretty much. That was a tough one. Cut me off at the knees. But I did. Hey, I did get my twenty dollar check written to that guy that won't take PayPal. To so. the old man mug. Yeah. <laughs> what in the world was that, Glenn? This, this is a gr- well, this guy lives in you know BF Oklahoma. <laughs> Glenn got us in a uh, NCAA tournament bracket, and he was like, "Yeah, get in this. It's great. It's twenty bucks. You'll have a great time." So, it turns out the guy that's running it doesn't have a computer, or <laughs> you have to handwrite your bracket and take a scan it, email it to him, and then send this him a computer. check. Yeah, and, send him a check because well, yeah. he won't take PayPal, Venmo. He's out on that. Let's talk about the first part of that. Basically, anyone that's like, "Hey, I'm doing a bracket with friends or work." Obviously, PayPal. The and, other and is... Here's the link to the yeah. bracket. <laughs> ESPN, Yahoo. You go in, you drag and drop. No, this guy, hey, print this out. 
hand right in. <laughs> oh yeah. Then scan it, and, send it back and to then me. Trust me that I'm keeping the standings because he's there's no like way to check the other entries or anything. We're just gonna have to trust that he's gonna run this. Yeah, he sent you all the entries. Oh, he did. Yeah. Okay. Well, he sends them all out. Then my apologies no, to Mister Mug. He's legit. I've won that before. The first year I played it, I won the whole thing because I was the only out of. This year was like 160 people in it. Yeah. There was maybe 140 something that year. And I was the only, it was 2011 when UConn won it. And I was the only entry that had them winning it. So I took, I took all the money. I took almost like two grand out of wow. it. Wow. And I tried to do that this year, but the Nevada Wolf Pack didn't <laughs> exactly, I had the same. So how many bullets did you fire at this thing? Um, how big was the check you wrote to Mr. Mug? Okay, so was there three digits? Yeah. Oh no! I only submitted five of my own, but we had a uh, an agreement to split our winnings. So you basically had every team covered except the I, ones that are in there. I had eight of the sixteen teams covered in some form or fashion. Unbelievable! I only did one. I sent him one check for twenty dollars and a peen pin. <laughs> but it doesn't still doesn't look like I'm going to win because I have a strong one. With uh, one of mine with Michigan, but Duke losing today pretty much did me in on the other side. Killed it on the other side, sure. So what I was going to say is, before you really derailed us into bracket talk, which I had no intention of doing tonight. But we have some bracket stuff from Twitter, so let's get to that. All right, well, hold on a second. I got something important here. Have you guys tasted how bad the water's tasting up here lately? Have you noticed this? Is this before or after it was pointed out that the... Supply is tainted well, by Aaron Brockovich. Yeah, so that's what I, I... This is all news. Like, I learned this today. I was just just thrilled to tell you guys. So, like, the last week when I'm taking a shower, like, I've noticed that there's just like a real... It smells like a pool in there. And I'm like, what's going on with our water? Well, then my kids won't drink the water at home anymore. They're like, it doesn't taste good. It doesn't taste good. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, it tastes bad. Yeah, we have a tainted water supply. This, I didn't know this. But you didn't know this because you're not on Twitter. No. Nobody told me. I just had to figure it out the old-fashioned way by tasting how bad the water tasted. <laughs> by, by acquiring some form of cancer. So tell me what happened. What's the story? Oh, I just read that it was tainted, but I don't live in Plano, so I don't care. <laughs> these, these sort of things aren't supposed to happen to affluent people. <laughs> I didn't say that. But yeah, apparently Erin Brockovich, you know her from that movie... Aaron Brockovich. Right, where she was like, I think like a prostitute, but had a, was like had a heart of gold... <laughs> I think she might have worked at a pizza place too. Yeah, and wasn't, she wasn't she like uh, running an art museum at a casino. <laughs> she was married to Terry Benedict, <laughs> if I remember correctly. But before every wedding, she get on a horse and ride the other way. <laughs> it was a really complicated movie. Yeah, but it's apparently somehow she's figured out that our water's tainted. But you guys, you guys didn't. I guess I, thought, been, I thought I was breaking news here, so I guess I got like two week old. I've been drinking it all week and haven't noticed. It. Yeah, we're still here. No, I've been going to these now. Oh, it's just ruined the environment with plastic. Yeah. <laughs> the environment's trying to ruin him. <laughs> it's a battle royale. Um, all right, so brackets on Twitter? Twitter questions? Sure. Uh, let's see. Ginsburg wants to know some of our best bracket stories. Biggest successes or failures? I think you might have just told yours. 
unless you did better than two thousand dollars. That's the best one money wise. Did I ever tell the story when I was in college when I was in a speech class and I gave an entire I don't remember how long it had to be, like ten minutes, fifteen minutes. But it's but a long time. I don't remember how long it was. Let's say it was ten. I had to give an entire speech and I gave it on the uh ironically University of Connecticut was playing Duke that night and I gave my Women's? entire men's. Nineteen ninety nine, Khalid Elamin, big UConn point guard. Is that the guy. guy that bombed the World Trade Center? <laughs> <laughs> In ninety three, when he was like fourteen, so it was him. Well, it's probably fifty fifty. <laughs> but I gave uh, the entire speech was about how UConn was going to win that game, and the faces of confusion in the audience <laughs> as to. What is this guy talking about? So in 1999, they didn't really have like deep stats and fanalytics. So how did you cover 15 minutes? I think it was more like 10 minutes. Okay. Um, just newspaper, you magazine talking articles. You or anything like that? No, but I had some quotes from assistant coaches <laughs> and like scouting reports I had found. Still had the internet. I pieced this thing together and I always had the cheapest... Because you had to have a visual, it would always just be a poster board with something I drew, or just like some pictures I cut out from somewhere. <laughs> and they let you get away with that on the forty acres. I got an A, like easily, wow. easy A in that class. <laughs> but those are probably my two. I don't know if y'all have any. And he, and he says have any. he says bracket stories. So I mean, I don't know. Drag racing is yeah bracket racing. Bracket so. racing. I got a lot of those stories. I've never I've never really had. A bracket that did all that good, or I don't even know that I've ever really won any any money in the brackets before. No, neither have I. And it ain't going to be this year. No. Okay, and now uh, Austin Newbury sent us a couple things. He says, uh, (laughs) thumb down or up on Sister Jean. Do you know who Sister Jean is? I do, yes. That's the the lady in the wheelchair that used to be a prostitute. (laughs) Also was married to an art dealer that ran the Bellagio, but she's in a wheelchair now. Well, that was after she got back from Vietnam, right. I think. Yeah. She's, has, she's affiliated with Loyola in some way. Yes. So what do you think? I, she's I, 98 years old. Thumb down or thumb up? I, I'd have to see it. I don't know who we're talking about. <laughs> You'd have to see it. Hey, maybe she held up well. It's kind of like golf, like risk adjusted for 98. You She'd be the D player in our foursome. I promise you that. <laughs> You don't read too much into what I just said. You want my sister Jean prediction? She's not going to see the finals? She's not going to see the final four. It's going to be real awkward about Thursday afternoon. When Khalid Alamine puts the bomb in her wheelchair like Gus Fring did in the... Ringing the bell. That would be... If that happens, that has to be like what? Like at least 10 to 1 in the sports book? Maybe Dude, 15 to man, 1. I just put 20 bucks on Nevada to win the title. You don't think I'd put something down 15 to 1 <laughs> on a 98-year-old dime? That Gus Frank blows up her wheelchair between now and Thursday? If, if that happens between that and the Houston flood, they're going to investigate this podcast. Wow, that's true. Austin also uh, wanted to get our thoughts on maybe he could have a weekly call-in so he can work on his slides. His slightly offensive Jin Yang impersonation. 
I'm all for that. I feel like you wouldn't even see anything that was offensive about it, right? That starts tonight. I hope I. Ooh. Hope well, I'm I, recording I, I it have a presently. I have Dave's login to HBO Go. So oh I'm good. yeah. That doesn't matter. You're yeah, welcome. <laughs> oh, thank you. No, thank you. By the way. No, I, get, gauging from where this podcast started, you probably wouldn't find it offensive <laughs> at all. You'd be like um, some of those those recent Me Too allegations where like the old man's reading it and like, hey, <laughs> I don't even see what the problem is here. That's you. Times were different. <laughs> different time. Different all right, that, time. that concludes the Twitter portion of today's episode. That's nice. So uh, while Tommy was winning... Two grand or whatever he won on the on the golf course. You know what I was doing, and I'm sure we all uh, we all have kids around the same age. Have you guys been subjected to the either child play or choir or anything along those lines yet? Yeah, just put on like the by the day school that they yeah. go to. Yeah, there's always some kind of recital where 75% of the kids just get up there and pick their nose and look at the ceiling. Exactly. Yeah. No, I've been to a few of them. I've never, I've never been to the one where you had to write out great lengths of time of people that were not your own performing. Yeah, we didn't have that. Most of the ones I've been to have been pretty contained to what you came there to see and then you get out. We didn't have that. It was all all our, our group. It was just one group, but as we've all experienced that, basically the whole thing going in there is you're like, I don't care if my kid knows the words, the hand motions. I just don't want them to be the one that causes the huge scene. That everybody yeah. else is going like, well, yeah, that's really well, your... At least my dad. kid didn't do that. <laughs> that's your whole goal. So this was at um, my three-year-old daughter's. Uh, she goes to a... a two-day-a-week daycare at our fine church. Sounds affluent. So there is... And I don't know how popular this person is in the general world, but apparently she has some connection to our church. Have you ever heard of Miss Patty Cake? I'm not answering this question. <laughs> so I'm now going to turn on private browsing. <laughs> you don't want to do that. No, it's like some... Are you bugging my house? <laughs> it's some, uh, I don't know, mid-50-year-old woman who basically has oh, I'm out. made a career of singing or making up like biblical-themed songs for children. And she has CDs and DVDs, and she comes to our church once a year for this school and has it, and leading up to it, they teach the kids her little song. So, should we tweet her from the show account? Probably. Um, I don't know what the line would be on the amount of time you can get 33-year-olds to stand quietly in rows. Two and a half minutes. Miss Patty Cake apparently thought a 55-minute session <laughs> was going to work. And she does this for a living, and she thought that was going to work? So we're sitting there. So it's me, my wife, and our five-year-old, and you know a fairly good crowd. So of say, I couldn't sit still for fifty-five minutes. So they're all up there, and they all have their green Miss Patty Cake shirt T-shirts on. And we're about three songs in, 
And yeah. That's that, her? That's her. Well done, Glenn. Well, let me see. <laughs> We're about huh, yeah. three songs in. I mean, you know, in a pinch. <laughs> maybe. Let's see. Let's see if we can connect. And my my daughter is the one. And I they didn't. They had like I think they had the normal troublemakers in the back row because all the handlers were behind this one row and it wasn't by height, but the kids in the front basically had no supervision. <laughs> so my three year old daughter's in the front row, spinning. No, we're twerking. on we're on song <laughs> we're on song three. She has pulled her Miss Patty Cake shirt up, completely exposing her chest over her head like she just scored a goal in the EPL and just sitting there and then like stretching out like trying to pull it down. Okay, her own shirt. Her own shirt. Okay. And yeah, she pulled the cake shirt. <laughs> that would be a story. But what Might have read about that on DallasNews.com. <laughs> I don't know. The worst part about it is she just kept doing it. No one's, you know, up there doing anything about it. And the... Uh, I guess vehicle Miss Patty Cake is using to tie this 55-minute thing together is she has a box of a dozen, like, Easter eggs, and everyone's a different color, and she's like, oh, and she talks about it, and then it leads into the next song. We're on song three, and our three-year-old has her shirt almost completely <laughs> off, and I lean over to my wife, I was like, if she goes through all 12, she's going to be completely nude. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're trying to do the hand signs from the crowd. But, yeah, like, that was basically, and we, of course, you know, we know other parents, so we're walking out, and they're like, hey, was that my daughter's name up there taking her shirt off? We're like, sure, sure was. That's my girl. Thanks a lot, Miss Patty Cake. So, yeah, but, man, 55 minutes Something bad was going to happen at that yeah. time, regardless. That's way too long. Way too long. Well, speaking of people performing without shirts on. Well done. Oh, transition. What did we do Monday night, gentlemen? Man, we did amazing things at the AAC. We took a little trip to the American Airlines Center for WWE Raw. A show trip. A show trip. Also, or Glenn's second home, as I like to call the AAC. Yeah. It has been the last we week the, and a half or so. We got in the car driving there, and Glenn's like, yeah, this will be the what third time I've been here in the last three days. Third time in four days, yeah. I believe. And apparently you spent quite a bit of time there. One day you watched every single basketball game in succession. Every game that was played there last week. Almost weekend. got in a fight with a guy. Uh, didn't almost get in a fight. Sort of almost got in a fight with a guy. A guy wanted to chest bump me in the restroom, and I politely declined. And he took exception. He took exception to it. I responded with complete indifference, and he didn't, didn't like that too much. It's just a man I met in the restroom. Yeah, that's all it was. So before we get into details of the event, was this your first professional wrestling experience? First WWE or WWF? Well, you can say whatever you want. Okay. But it's E. Yeah. Get the but even, out. even the old, I never saw anything in the old era. So the last time I saw wrestling in person would have been... Von Erichs. Yeah, I think it was Bruiser Brody at the Will Rogers Coliseum. Awesome. Probably about 1985. So on a, on a macro level, what, what did you think of the spectacle of it all? 
the I mean the spectacle and show of it is where the entertainment Absolutely. comes from. And I I could see more maybe when you're watching on TV that you're really focusing focusing on the wrestling, but as we're going to go through this and talk about it and I jotted down a few notes and sure. just what I'm thinking in my head, I don't remember anything from any of the matches. <laughs> it's all just the nonsense in between and yeah. the people around us that we'll get into well, and all guy, that and then this guy to my left <laughs> as well. So do we have that to bring to the table tonight too? I have a few notes and, okay. and I... Okay, because I, I do think we have audio to review at some point. Oh wow, but you a, guys! But a guy that you a guy that you claimed to be your very best friend in the world, Mike Saroy, loves yes. wrestling, and he has said on a podcast before that he watches it every week and fast forwards through all the matches. He only watches the interviews and the setups to the matches, and then fast forwards through all the actual wrestling. No, not not really? interested at all. Yeah, just interested in the storyline development. Yeah. And let me tell you, we kicked the show off with a big storyline. So Roman Reigns, true, um, former WWE champion, controversial figure in the wrestling world. Would you, you say that's fair, Dave? Yeah, he's one of those characters that they they're trying to push on the audience as a babyface, as the term, as the hero, essentially. But the crowds just—they're not buying it. They're not having any yeah, of it. Yeah, he was not very well received. He actually got a better reception, a more positive reception there than he does most places. At least in the beginning. At least in the beginning. But the crowd quickly turned on him when um, he felt it was necessary to assault three members of law enforcement. Now this, they came out to arrest him. Yes. Well, well, they, they, well, he was technically he was within the storyline. He was, he was suspended. Okay. And of course, he's standing in the ring pretty much five minutes into the show. And the uh, general manager of Raw says, hey, um, you're suspended. I'm going to go in the back, and you need to be gone. And he defiantly grabs the folding chair and says, sits down and says, I'm not leaving the ring. So then three U.S. Marshals walk into the ring. Very beefy U.S. Marshals. And they Dave, were. Dave had an, <laughs> had an excellent line that we were about to experience a 51-day standoff. <laughs> Which the guy next to you really enjoyed that. Boy, we're going to get into that guy. So the not, guy next to you, did you tell him to download the podcast? He was a fan of yours. L- let me put it this way. There's many red flags, but when you're shuffling into your seats at a professional wrestling event and you realize the guy that you are now sitting next to is completely by himself, <laughs> he is a probably 30-year-old Male, and he was wearing a little bit of a costume, right? He had he, he had uh, he had all the wrestling gear. Yeah, okay. He'd been by the uh, the pro shop, if you will. Okay, he done the pregame, got the jersey. He uh, he immediately wanted to talk wrestling with me, which hey, I'm on board with. I of our group was the only one that should be sitting next to this guy. He was not quite. He loved your fifty-one day standoff line. He wasn't quite as amused as that. I I thought the marshals were going to set the ring on fire and then blame it on Roman Reigns, <laughs> which would have been awesome. But that guy, every time I leaned over, that guy was just dying laughing at something David said. He, oh, was, he was he was a big fan. Yeah, and of course Dave was getting. We'll we'll cover, but he was getting more chatty as the night well, went on too. He, he did not appreciate my. The only joke that didn't land with him, and I don't even know if you were around for this one. Did you ask him if Booker T was really that great? 
No, we got off talking about like old wrestlers. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, like, you know, basically just commenting like some of my old favorites are dead, like Kurt Henning, who is Mr. Perfect, Owen Hart. And oh. he, was, he goes, yeah, I miss Owen Hart. And I said, the turnbuckle didn't. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure everybody's prepared for that. That, that was a little snug. That's uh but uh it's pulling out all the playbook <laughs> first drive. Let's go back. So yes, the <laughs> So this guy loves Dave's lines, but keep in mind we got there maybe five minutes before it started. We had ten to spare. And listen, I don't want to hear any No 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 I'm You were the last one to show up. Not a criticism. Okay. But you were we the last show one. Up we have the intro, Roman Reigns comes out, and this is all transpiring. Dave is probably already on his second 16-ounce Bud Light by then. And that was just the beginning. Yeah. This is before the U.S. Marshals go down or anything. Right. I was, I was ready to get in the ring at that point. And then somebody's music starts playing. And that was, throughout the night, that was the part that I, I knew that dynamic existed, but I didn't know it interrupted so many, like in mid-interview or mid-match. Oh, that's and all the best part. It, I, I know, I Because totally everybody just, just, goes, just goes bonkers immediately, and everybody that comes out has either a, a hand sign or, a, or something, and if, you know, if, you're in, if you're in the club and you know what to do, man. Some sort of chant. So Brock Lesnar runs out. Yes, which the was beast really incarnate. Cool. Yeah, he's got to be on the list of people legitimately that I don't, I don't, I think got to be one of the toughest, scariest guys to like get into a legitimate fight with. That's probably walking the face of the earth right now. Although I, th- I think he's been uh, throwing back a couple too many Whataburgers. Well, he's like almost fifty, isn't he? He's not that old. Okay. He started super young. Okay, but to Glenn's point, he's. He's got some extra weight he's carrying that he's not exactly in fighting shape. He right may have now. started his freshman yeah. year somewhere well, recently. He, and you don't you don't know because you don't watch, but it was actually a pretty big treat that we've got to see him because he rarely appears yeah. on TV. He he's a part time wrestler. He's the champion, but he's pretty much big pay per view events only. Very rarely will make a televised appearance. We got to see him. We got to see Lesnar. We got to see John Cena yeah. and Ronda another, Rousey. Another part timer. And uh, yeah, and we got to see the great Ronda Rousey too. We did. Yeah. Hey, she uh, was there. Do you know? Because this may have overlapped when you actually watched wrestling back in the day. Do you know who Brock Lesnar's married to? Captain Lou Albano. <laughs> He's married to Sable. I know who that is. Yeah. Kind of. And funny. is that how they connected when he first started out? I guess they overlapped connected. a little bit, as it were. I do know that who that is. She was was she one of the first? You, you could divas? probably she okay. was. you could probably have a thirty man over the top rope Royal Rumble with the number of guys that have been through Sable. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, so I didn't have that in my notes. So <laughs> quick recap. So Brock comes out. Roman Reigns though has been handcuffed by the U.S. Marshals. And that was before he cleared the ring of the marshals. So yes. he got handcuffed and then took down three U.S. marshals while handcuffed, which was pretty impressive. And Brock Lesnar comes out, and now Roman Reigns is essentially defenseless. And boy, did it show. And he administered a beatdown of the highest order. Chair Man. shots, a couple of false leaves, 
Roman got put on a stretcher. He came back for the third time to ram him off the stretcher. And I think at that point, they just told him, hey, just run back out there. He'll be on a stretcher and just kind of come up with something. And you could tell he was trying to do something with the stretcher. I don't know if he was going to try to pick it up. or. And finally, he just kind of gave up and just pushed it over. <laughs> well, it's kind of bad because they, they actually used two legitimate of a stretcher. So like back in good old days, they'd use these, you know, just rickety old little gurney looking things. Just get the orange stretcher. No, but they, this, was, this, was, this was like a CareFlight approved stretcher they had Roman on. So it's probably not designed to tip over and it's supposed to be extra sturdy. You can't do all the shenanigans you could do with a, with a, uh, a working stretcher like they used to use. <laughs> but here's one thing that's funny is to uh, use a phrase from a wrestling podcast that Tommy and I love, applying logic to an illogical business. <laughs> the U.S. Marshals take a couple of elbows from Roman Reigns, and then they're out for the next they just 16 <laughs> minutes while another guy's beating them up on a stretcher. Like, we can't get those guys back out. Yeah, because in real life, if that happened, they'd have been setting up Operation Showtime out in the concourse. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Gary's on the loudspeaker. Brock, I <laughs> want to help you, Brock. This is going to go really bad for you. <laughs> My bosses need you to stop turning his stretcher <laughs> over. Brock, just send out a few pages of your manuscript. <laughs> but that, that was a red-hot opening for the show, and I read online, I think it was something like 40 or 42 minutes went by in that event that we were at before an actual match hit the ring. That was the feedback from the, the family behind us that was very vocal. <laughs> I was waiting for you to get to them. And Paul Bearer was there with us. Yes. He commented that the one kid who had a lot to say sounded a whole lot like Cartman from South Park. <laughs> so there was a lot of our, our best Cartman impersonations. We'll, we'll not be done here, but we're done at the arena. I really feel like the, that family is getting a bad rap because I, I, I think every word I heard the mother say was trying to get him to stop talking. I agree with that. She was trying. It, it wasn't like that they were necessarily egging it on. I think she realized how obnoxious that kid was being. And his, his dad was basically just like, he was the Danny Bayless of the audience. It's just everything was just terrible. Yeah, and and they those were expensive tickets. And and listen, you know, not to judge, but if you were going to take the ticket price as percentage of net worth, they probably had their entire net worth in their seats. And the kids there just bagging on the show. Oh, this is terrible. They haven't had a match. This is awful. And. You know, every everything that he didn't think was up to his apparently unreachable standards. He was very into, he wanted matches. Like, he wanted people in there like doing over. moves. Yeah, he didn't over want, and over. Yeah, he didn't want... Oh, yeah, and if there was a lull in a match, you know, like, he didn't want a headlock or... Or, God forbid, a televised event goes to commercial. <laughs> yes. He was not into that at all. That was one thing I don't remember from going before was how much television played into it. I don't remember that at all, but they would, when you're watching it on TV, you know, you'll see a guy come out to the ring for his ring entrance. It'll go to commercial. It'll come back. He'll be in the ring. Song still playing. And then the next guy will come out. And I never really thought anything of it. Well, if you're at the event live, he comes to the ring, you just stand in there. And they turn out all the lights. They start playing commercials or, or you know, promos for whatever they're yeah. spiffing. He's just standing in the ring, and then all of a sudden, his music starts back up, and he goes right back into what yeah. he was doing. Yeah, it's very funny the the spontaneity of it. Uh, not as much in live in live form. I thought that was pretty cool. 
it's it's cool. Uh, I mean, just the whole atmosphere is cool. I do miss that they don't do pyro anymore, which is kind of disappointing. As loud as that ring was, I think Pyro might have sent my poor son to the rail. He was he was about at his limit just with how loud the the, the ring impacts on the ring were. Yeah, they had the mic up to fourteen. Yeah. yeah, they did. But we got to see. I'm trying to think. The very next, it was the girls' match. The women. Oh, sweet, it was uh, sweet Alexa Bliss. They're doing a very interesting bullying angle. Where oh. she she's bullying the female Brock Lesnar. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a, the a only wom- a woman of size. True. Yeah. If you will. If you will. But I felt like that uh that match was just okay. Like wasn't a it wasn't a barn burner like I'd hoped it would be. Yeah. There weren't any uh wardrobe malfunctions as you hoped it would be. <laughs> That's not anything I'd hoped for. But still, to my point before, I don't. Other than at the end, where what's the the other one's name? The bigger one. Oh, Nia Jax. Nia. Nia, Nia Jax. Jax whenever she like chased her down, like into the crowd at some point. That's the only part I remember. I don't remember anything from. But the match was Alexa Bliss and Oscar. Yeah. From the Orient. It's <laughs> probably she why I just dragged it to the recycle bin. <laughs> Um, but that wasn't bad. No, where do we go right after that? I think we we kind of hit a hit a weird r- succession of random tag team matches. I think we had Titus Worldwide make an appearance, and I made we a, had the Bar come out and do a singles match. When we when we walked, I came back with a um, his, refreshments for a few of us and six Bud Light. <laughs> yeah, and I made a comment of. To I think Tommy about dude, why didn't you text me? I can't miss Titus Worldwide. <laughs> and the gentleman on my left was not real pleased with me poking fun at Titus Worldwide. Did you say that Titus Worldwide was the only act there that he could really relate to? Is that what you're possibly, trying to say? Possibly. So which tag team is Seamus a part of? It's called the Bar. And then who did they have to? They picked the other guy, and he had to, to fight Braun Strowman. The uh, that's who it was. Okay, the heavily bearded large yes, man. Yes, the heavily bearded guy with the country strong tattoo on his bicep. Right. I've I've seen workout videos of that guy curling two twenty five. Glenn, you ever you ever do that? No, I never. <laughs> oh, remind me when we do that. Remind me when we're done recording to tell you guys a off air workout story. <laughs> Okay. They cannot be shared on the podcast. So by this point, Dave has made multiple trips back and forth to the concession area to the point where I don't think there are any sets of footprints. I think at that point, he was just floating. And I had been at least once. I think, did you go? Or Paul Bearer went one time and just came back with one for somebody else. And I was just like, what? I'm just sitting here. Am I invisible? I'm turning to Craig Miller all of a sudden. <laughs> Had to go get my own. We didn't know you wanted to party. I, I was already on the third Jack and Coke when I arrived That's at true. Tommy's house. Yeah, I, th- I feel like when we were driving, it was pointed out that the whole car smelled like whiskey. I And we didn't. You had your family with you. I did. It was a family event. It was, it was it was a weird dichotomy as we had family friendly and not family friendly on the same row, row the same car. I gave a very 
legal warning to your son that he should probably just mute his Uncle Glenn for the rest of the night. Because there might be some things said that cause a question mark. And just delete it from your memory. It never happened. And then I think Cena hit the ring. And that was a highlight, for obviously, for the son. We were all on pins and needles that we were going to get an appearance by The Undertaker, and it didn't happen. Yeah. There was a lot of internet rumor going into the show. Undertaker doesn't live... You know, he lives in Texas, so he's reasonably close. There's a lot of thinking that he's going to make a one-time, one-off comeback to fight Cena at WrestleMania. Cena got out there and, I mean, gave him every opportunity to come out. There was a... It was a good crowd. I'll say this. Dallas had a, a good crowd that was very much into it, and I especially enjoyed when Cena was, t- you know, saying he didn't get an answer from The Undertaker from his challenge last week and was telling him to, you know, do the lightning, push a casket out here, do something, yeah. and the whole crowd starts chanting, do something over and over. <laughs> and there was the guy who was dressed as The Undertaker. Which who was, was awesome. literally like six foot eight. <laughs> guy was a giant, and he was dressed. And Cena even pointed him out and yeah. said, Dude, there's even a guy here dressed as The Undertaker. Even he's here. I still got it on the DVR. I need to go back and see if they actually shot the guy on TV. No, he's on there. Okay. Yeah, no, I watched... Did you notice the guy sitting to my left had got a picture with the fake Undertaker? did. Yeah. I was like... Because we were pointing him out amongst each other. And I was like, man, because he was sitting down like folding chairs like three rows back from the ring. I was like, man, he looks like he's actually really big. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, and he pulls out his phone. He's like, I saw him in the concourse, and I got a picture with him. And I want to be like, who took it? Because you don't have any friends. But um, So John Cena didn't have a match with anyone, though. No. No, and that, that, I think that was the only slight disappointment from my son, who, who still talks about the night in reverent terms. It was the greatest day of his life. and uh, But, yeah, he was a little disappointed he didn't to see... Cena fight because Cena ended up just getting choke slammed by Kane. And they're gonna they have a match tomorrow. I yes, think. and he was left lying, so that'll yeah. be settled up tomorrow. Which just gets back to the real awkward commercials and turn the lights out or whatever. So yeah, Cena just gets choke slammed. They just kind of rolls out of the ring. Kane, yeah, Kane walks back under his music, and then the lights go out, and Cena's just laying there. And then after a moment in time, he just kind of pops up and just <laughs> jogs back up the up the no, tunnel. No sells the choke slam. And yeah, just walks back out, rips yeah. off his shirt, throws it in the crowd. Yeah, he had to get out of the ring before they came back from break. <laughs> they didn't want him still in there, yeah. just face down. Yeah, just wrestle around him. Just pretend he <laughs> fell from the roof. Whoa, too soon. I would never condone such a callous response. Then I think after that, we had another kind of throwaway women's match. And then my favorite active WWE wrestler, The Miz, came out. Underwhelming reception for him. I was a little disappointed, but I think the crowd had kind of... You got to have the the peaks and valleys in the show. And they had been... So many hot things happened that they, they had kind of calmed down and didn't show The Miz the respect he deserved. He's a great heel, though. Oh, he's a great. He's amazing. so good on the mic. And then that's when things started to get a little weird. So if you're watching the show on TV, which I don't know, did you record it? No, I did not. So the, the whole show was building up to what was called the ultimate deletion match between Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy. And it was taking place at the Matt Hardy compound. And it was this really bizarre... Not, not in Waco. <laughs> okay. Not on Mount Carmel. Yeah. 
It was this really bizarre... It took place on the concrete structure that was left. <laughs> they yeah. put a ring on there. Tibbs, special guest referee. <laughs> we like to call it an inferno match. Yeah. So if Whoa. That's insensitive. So if you were watching on TV, then then that's that's where Raw ended. You got this lengthy, bizarre match that ended with Bray Wyatt disappearing after being thrown in a lake. <laughs> Did you watch it, Tommy? It was weird. It was terrible. Yeah, it was really strange. The everything about it was bizarre. But so we so, we didn't watch any of that. They didn't, didn't even show it in the arena. And if, and if I hadn't have known, you know, which I'm sure everybody there because they all watched wrestling knew that was it. We had Ronda Rousey come out and get into a weird, you know, altercation with um, what's her name? Oh, it was Titus uh, Worldwide's manager. Yeah, Dana Brock or Brooke. Dana Brooke. So none of that was on TV. And then they really missed out the TV audience. And then the main event for us happened: the greatness of Elias. This is my first exposure to. To Elias, do I, but do I, I said the Miz was my favorite wrestler, but actually I lied. He he's tied for my favorite wrestler with the greatness of Elias, who came out to ask everyone in Dallas if they knew what WWE stood for. Walk with Elias, and then went on to just do an amazing, and it was probably great because it was longer than they would have let him get if it was televised. Bit of just trolling the Dallas crowd, who, by the way, I mean from. The very beginning of the show, when the house announcer says Dallas, Texas is just popping like crazy every time the word Dallas is mentioned, and he does just the greatest job of just cutting down that that he had he had flown in. He was at Madison Square Garden like two nights before, and it was a shame he had to leave a real city to come to Dallas. You can imagine how embarrassed I am now being in <laughs> Dallas was his line, but of course. The crowd, I agree with Tommy. They weren't. They were hot for Cena. They kind of lulled a little bit for the Miz, which was disappointing. But I guarantee you, ever's back working the truck during that Elias segment was like, I can't believe this isn't making the show because the crowd oh, was the cr- huge. The crowd yeah. was just reacted to him huge. And then, as always, befalls poor Elias when he finally gets in the middle of his song. Out comes Braun Strowman to just absolutely yeah, annihilate just- him. <laughs> And it was at this point, I think, Dave was very excited about walking with Elias. Well, he was wearing an Elias Walk with Elias t-shirt. I was. I didn't even notice that. I sure was. And uh, that match concluded. And I think it was at that point that, that Dave kind of nudged me. And I just heard the words, hey, I've had a couple of these. As he's drinking out of his 16-ounce plastic beer cup with four or five of them stacked underneath as he's holding all of them at the same time. <laughs> it's like, yeah, buddy, you've, I think you've had your fair share tonight. So why don't you, uh, we'll, we got to cover the car ride home. So you want to hand me uh phone one or two, whichever one it is. And we're going to have, we're going to have Dave review his behavior on the way home. All right, let me, let me cue this up. And uh, I will, I'll go ahead and ruin this right now. Yeah. Go ahead and turn the volume up here on I was about, port number five. I was about one one hundredth of Glenn in Baltimore. The only thing was I had the hiccups, which you, you guys could just, all you could just hit play. You guys all found that really funny. This has a, a duration of forty four seconds. Sweet, sweet Alexa. Oh man. Little brat. What do you think about Alexa? 
Me? Yeah, you. She's the greatest. <laughs> she's Why the greatest. Huh? Why do you like her? She's basically the only woman they have that's good on the mic. It's good. How slow are you talking? Yeah. What about, what's her name, Naya? Naya Jax? He said he was in. <laughs> Who? <laughs> the big girl. Well. Oh, oh. Now they have to use her. It doesn't take much. <laughs> How did the words that's good get contracted into just scud? <laughs> She's the only one. Scud on the mic. I will say I will say one thing for for Dave that that I can't say for Baltimore Glenn. He didn't ask to drive. <laughs> I know how to get home. Give me the give me the keys. We got a nice laugh from Paul Bearer in there. Yeah, yeah that did. was actually like a great Paul Bearer laugh. Yeah, we can keep that. You can imagine abuse. imagine Dave basically the rest of the way home never stopped talking, and then every fifteen seconds was just a oop. <laughs> I did have the hiccups pretty and, bad. And nobody could handle it. It was just a constant stream of consciousness. We were all in a feeling guy. pretty good. We were on a high coming off of Elias and Monday Night Raw. And then we got treated to the Dave show all the way back up the North Dallas Tollway. I really think that comes through Dallas twice a year. Not just once. I don't know because they did Raw and SmackDown back-to-back if they'll be back this year for, okay. a, for a televised event. Now, they're coming back in June, but for just it's in Arlington and it's not televised, so it'll be like kind of a... Yeah. That's not something I would go to, I don't think. But, but yeah, next time Raw comes back, I'm in. I'm there. I could definitely go to that once yeah. a year, no doubt. And well, hold on. Do we need to talk? The big plan? Yeah. The big plan. We need to talk about the big plan because I'm, I'm interested. This is something we got to work on. This is going to take some. This is going to take some financial commitment. This is not. This is not something to just kind of limp into. I'm going to let Dave take it and the, present the idea. The big well, point. Should we present it like Dave presented it to us in the car? And give us all the incorrect details. Guys, WrestleMania is coming to Detroit in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> First off, it they was... got casinos in Detroit. <laughs> There, the original news did come out that they were going to Detroit, but apparently that was fake news. It was just being considered. They finally settled on New York, which is so way mean better. Something, something bad economically happened to Detroit. Has that ever happened before? <laughs> that doesn't sound right. But as I've told you, when I tried to get both of you clowns to go at, to the WrestleMania at Jerry World, it was amazing. Then last year, we were actually podcasting at my home, watching WrestleMania 33, and I made the proclamation that I need to go. And that was in Miami last year, correct? Orlando? That was Miami. Orlando. Was it Miami? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Florida. It somewhere. It's outside. Florida, yeah. man. It was a cool cool setup outside. Yeah. That looked cool. No, that's why I want to go when it's... Yeah, that kind of scene. So I made the bold proclamation that, hey... I need to go every year after this. And in two weeks, I will be attending WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans. The Mercedes-Benz Superdome. But the major show trip would be New York. April 2019, WrestleMania in New York City. What's the venue? MetLife Stadium. Interested. Which is actually in New Jersey. That's true. But that's okay, because you can get there. But we know our way around that part of New Jersey pretty well from our baseball trip, if I'm not mistaken. 
I can make my way around <laughs> all five boroughs. <laughs> but you two put away some of your golf winnings because we spent a little money on these raw tickets to get good seats. WrestleMania, let's just put it this way. I spent five bills on my one seat for WrestleMania. Are you serious? Yeah. Whoa. Five bills, but not five digits. No. Okay. Wow. You know, but if you're, especially if you're traveling. You've got to make the yeah. most of it. Yeah, and you don't want to, I mean, you don't want to be back at the back corner of MetLife Stadium. Sitting next to a guy who's there by himself with a picture of himself with a fake <laughs> Undertaker on his shirt. And our seats are pretty awesome. So, so I, expect a, I expect a full review of that and the festivities before and after that I know you've also bought tickets to. Oh, yes. Something to waffle breakfast. <laughs> Something to waffle. The wrestling podcast that Tommy and I are obsessed with is called Something to Wrestle. Okay. And they're doing a live show at the House of Blues on Saturday. And then Sunday is WrestleMania. And Sunday morning, they're having a small breakfast that you can also buy tickets to very intimate setting very called something to waffle (laughs) nice and we're going to both of them and it's going to be fantastic yeah can't wait to hear can't wait to hear about that and also if um you need to get the email address of the guy you're going with in case any more um hiccup type (laughs) incidents occur we can have a follow-on to that i'm not going to rule it out but man it's going to be great as you guys have seen now, live wrestling is a spectacle, and WrestleMania is 20 times bigger than what we witnessed. Yeah, what we went to was basically just setting up WrestleMania the whole time, which exactly. was cool, but also kind of frustrating, because <laughs> I'm like, I'm seeing all the build-up and foreplay, and that's it. Well, if uh, WrestleMania is kind of like, to use a business term, WrestleMania is the end of their fiscal year, essentially. So, like, the Monday after WrestleMania, like, they'll introduce new wrestlers and everything kind of reboots. That was a question that I had. Is there any type of off-season? No. No, they, they run 52 weeks a year. Okay. But as as Dave just so eloquently pointed out, they do kind of do a reboot, and they usually will move guys between the different shows and kind of recalibrate things right after WrestleMania. Everything everything builds to WrestleMania and then and then uh Okay. I just didn't know if they there's did a refractory that. period basically. <laughs> and then like they had WrestleMania and I thought maybe it's always known like the three weeks after that, you know, they don't have anything and then they start again May first or anything like no, that. Well I'm sure I'm sure uh Randy the Ram would have really appreciated that back <laughs> in the day. 